Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. All right, so let's go ahead and pick it up in verse 22 again. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is head of his wife as Christ is head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. As we talk about the dynamics of husband and wife and family life in general, it is so important. These topics are worth taking seriously. Number one, it's important for your family, for your relationships, because families have a way of being, God designed marriage and family to be such an incredible blessing, to be amazing, to be wonderful, to be a source of comfort and joy and peace and laughter and support. It's, it's supposed to be wonderful, but if it's not done properly, it can be done, it can be one of the greatest sources of pain and sorrow and regret. If you hurt in these areas, it's a hurt, not, it's unlike other hurts. That if you're struggling financially, you just got demoted at work, things aren't going well in other areas, there's pain associated with that, but it's unlike the severity of the pain when your family's falling apart or you just lost your, your spouse to someone else or you just, you just realized that you blew it and there's, your life is full of regret for the way that you raised your kids. There's so much pain. So it matters in our homes, but it also matters for the kingdom of God and for the church because this passage says, it's an illustration that our family lives are important, that we fulfill our roles because it's to illustrate the relationship between Jesus and the church, the way that Jesus loves his church and the way that the church is supposed to love Jesus. It puts it on display. And so this week, we'll keep moving through this scripture. I was supposed to move on to husbands, but I, I felt just to spend another week on wives and try to really drive some of those points home. All right. That's my third time with that joke, and it did not go well the first two times. First, you don't succeed. Try, try again. All right, so in the passage that we've been working our way through, he, he turns his focus to husbands, and as he talks specifically about the responsibility of a husband, he doesn't say husbands respect your wives or husbands submit to your wives. What he does say is husbands love your wives 
And then he gives a standard for that love. He says, the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That the way a husband loves his wife is supposed to be an extreme, an extreme love, a sacrificial love. So if we really follow this example, then it, what people try to portray the Bible as chauvinistic and just this male domination, if, if we love our wives like Christ loved the church, that there leaves no room for this male tyrannical rule in a household where there's cruelty and harshness, that a husband really is bound by love to make sure that his wife has a fulfilling, enjoyable experience in their, in their relationship. So that's the standard of a man's behavior given to us in the Bible, the way he speaks, the way he thinks, the way he treats his spouse. The standard is what? Is it loving? Is it loving? And if, it does, if it's not loving, then it's inappropriate in, in that relationship. So for us men to think, is this loving? That's the standard. Now, I want to read a passage that talks about the love that Jesus has demonstrated. There's lots of them that we could look at. I'll, I'll just read this one to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. It says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our, our Lord. That, that's the standard of love that a husband is supposed to have for for his wife. Now, this kind of love that I'll, I'll never stop. You, it, it, nothing's going to cause me to stop loving my wife. If we can hold that standard, uh, it's not temperamental. It's not dependent on several other factors. Nothing can ever stop me from loving my, my wife. That, that's the standard of love. That kind of love fulfills or meets one of the deepest needs or desires felt in the heart of a woman, a, a need for security and emotional fulfillment. That that's the way God has set things up. That security is provided to a woman by the way that a husband loves her. And it gives us that specific example. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and did what? He gave himself. He sacrificed himself for, for her. Now, why did Jesus lay down his life for the church? Why did he do that? Why did he come and die on the cross? To save her, right? I mean, to, to save her. Why, why did we, the church, why did we need saved? Because we were in great danger. We were on our way to hell. And so Jesus came and he gave himself for her. Why? To take us from a place of danger to a place of safety. That now we are, we are secure. And as he's talking to husbands about our role, that that's the way we're supposed to love our wives. And you can look at psychological studies or sociological studies or, or Google it. And what even secular people find and what they say is that a woman's expressed primary need or desire is that of security. The Lord knew that. That's the way he designed things to work, that a husband would help provide that security if he'll love her the way that Jesus loves the church and gave himself for her. So if a man wants to be a husband, what he's making a commitment to 
is this kind of love to offer security and emotional fulfillment. I want to take the next few minutes that we have together. This, this is by no means exhaustive, but to talk about some of the ways that a husband, by loving his wife this way and following what this says in Ephesians chapter five, some practical ways that a husband provides security for his wife. So the first one is this. The first one is financial security by being a provider for, for his family. Let me read you from Genesis, Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, we looked at it last week. It's where God is talking to Adam and Eve about the consequences of sin, of them disobeying. And so God is speaking to them in the garden. Verse 16, it says, then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. We talked about this a little bit last week, that God had set marriage up to work a certain way He's not changing the dynamics of how a marriage is supposed to work, but because of sin, now it's going to be more difficult. It's going to be challenging to follow the pattern that he set, that a woman's desire will be to control her husband. It'll be harder for her to submit. A man will have a desire, instead of loving and caring and leading for his wife properly, there'll be a temptation to step out of that responsibility and sometimes even to become that, that harsh, cruel husband instead of one that cares and nourishes, nourishes his wife. It goes on, it says, And he said to the man, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you, and your, all your life you will struggle from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you will eat you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So again, he's talking about, he's not changing roles. He's letting them know that now your role is going to be more difficult. So before the fall, which one of them, if someone was going to have a baby, who would it have been? Eve, the woman, right? That, that, that was already set. That was already the role. He's letting them know, now your role, it's not going to change, but now there's going to be greater difficulty in fulfilling your role. And when he speaks to the man, he says, now it's going to be more difficult for you to do what? His role, the provider. By the sweat of your brow, you're going to bring forth grain to eat. It's going to be difficult now where it used to just grow. Now you're going to have to work at it. His role didn't change. He was to be the primary provider, but now there was going to be difficulty in fulfilling his role. Are you with me? So we could look at, this is from the very beginning, but we could look at other examples in the Old Testament. I'll give you a couple from the New Testament. That within the context of a husband and wife, this isn't saying it's wrong for a woman to work, but the man bears the responsibility of being the provider for his family. It is a God-given responsibility. If you want to be a husband, what comes along with that is that you are the primary provider. If you want to be a father, then you are responsible for being a provider, offering security that needs are met because you're working to make sure that those needs are met. Amen. Amen. Feel free to jump in here at any point. Act like it's not a room full of lazy bums that don't want to work. It's a man's job to, to provide, amen? That men should, be, men should be workers. Let me give you a few examples from the New Testament. So this isn't some old-fashioned, old, old Testament thing. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10 says, Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. 
This is New Testament. There was a biblical expectation that godly people would be workers. If you don't, if you don't work, you know what? You, you, know, you don't get to eat. There's a reward for working, and if you don't work, then you, you're not eligible for that reward. Listen to what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, that, that's a powerful passage of Scripture, one that men need to pay attention to. He, he's, he's giving a point of emphasis to help us see how important it is that men are workers and take providing for their families seriously. He says, if a man won't provide for his household, he doesn't say, man, that's too bad, that's a shame. He says, you, you've denied the faith. You might say you're a Christian. You, you don't take it seriously. You're joking. You're not, you're not serious about following with God's word. He says, you're, you're worse than an unbeliever. Think about that. If you won't provide for your family, if you're not providing for your wife and your children, here's believers, here's unbelievers, here's men that don't provide for their families. I mean, that, that's a strong emphasis to, from, from God on how important it is that men are providers. If you don't provide for your family, biblically, you are worse than an unbeliever. So one of the ways that men, this isn't a money thing. This isn't just like, oh, how much money? It, it, it's, it's not that. It's about providing security. And again, we're, we're modeling. It's an illustration of how Jesus, so even if you're not a husband, you never care to be a husband, then all of this is demonstrating the way that God wants to care for you through Jesus Christ. This is, this is provision. This is taking care of your wife and kids. It's, your wife, it's not talking about your wife walking around in fur coats and all kinds of, you know, bedazzled from head to toe with all kinds of expensive jewelry. If you like that kind of thing, that, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But that, this isn't a status thing. This is providing for your family. And we, people can take this and get weird with it and start sizing each other up. Well, you make this much, you're a better provider. I make this. It, it, it's not that. It's are you providing for your, are you taking care of your family? Don't, don't, don't get off in weirdness. The Bible wants men to take care of their wives and their children. Now, one of the things we've said multiple times in this series is that love in marriage is, is to be unconditional. It's unconditional. No strings attached. Fulfillment, enjoyment, contentment, highly conditional. Highly conditional. So imagine if you've got two, two couples and the wives love their husbands unconditionally, but one of the husbands is irresponsible and he, he doesn't take providing seriously. He's not worried about paying the bills. His wife can deal with that. She can stress about that. He just kind of has a whatever attitude, kind of shuffles through life, a little bit on the lazy side, isn't really concerned with the needs of his children. And then you've got another husband who, who's very responsible. He's a hard worker. They might not be wealthy, but he's making sure that the bills are paid, that stress is off of his wife, there's money for groceries, the kids have shoes, and he takes those responsibilities seriously. Both, both wives love their husbands unconditionally, but it would be foolish to think that they felt the same way about the role that their husband is playing, yes. that they respond to their husband the same way. It would be foolishness to think that those two wives would respond to their husband the same way, right? Love is unconditional, but fulfillment and enjoyment is conditional. That one of those wives probably feels fulfilled and the other wife feels frustrated. 
a, a husband's job is to provide security. One of the ways that he provides security is by being a provider. Yes. By taking that, that role seriously to provide yes. for his family. Now, that's not to say that if you have a job, you're, you know, you, you've held down a job and you bring in a paycheck that you can just, you've, you've done everything you need to do. That's just one part of, of security because you can bring in, in money, but your wife still feels emotionally insecure and insecure in a number, number of other ways. So, so uh, another aspect of security, one is financial. The other is emotional security, emotional security. And so with that, we'll talk about the importance of communication. So we'll go back to Ephesians chapter five. Now, this is super basic but it's applicable and it will help us if we will apply it to our lives. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25 says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. The, the things that are mentioned are intentional, right? The, the word of this is God breathed. So, so the aspects of Jesus' ministry to the church are applicable to a husband's ministry to his wife. It says he gave up his, himself for her to provide security, safety, to save her. Then it says, he gave, he gave up his life for her, verse 26, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of his word. Washed by his word. That one of the ministries of Jesus to the church has to do with his words. Communication. That that ministers to his wife. Now, communication is important in every relationship, but we're focusing on husbands and wives right now. And generally speaking, females are better at communicating than males. Generally speaking. I live with a bunch of them. <laughs> I have four daughters. I have a wife. There are five females that I live with. And there are times where they're so good at communicating that they all communicate simultaneously. I'm not kidding you. They, they all talk at the same time. They're all talking. All of them, all five. They're, they're and they seem okay with it. Like they're able to, to comprehend and to process. They'll just be, you know, doing their thing. They're talking, apparently they're listening. And all five of them are talking at the same time. And there's often, oftentimes, I can't take it. I get frustrated. I have to like, Stop it. I, you guys, you're all talking. I don't know how they do it. They're, they're just better communicators than us. It's like words are flying everywhere. My, my brain starts to like overheat. I, I can't, I, I can't take it. I'm, I'm being genuine. I'm like, please, one at a time. There's just too much, too much going. They, they just flow. They're just all talking at, at the same time. So for husbands, for men, we've got to be a little more intentional and work at it in this area. And for husbands and wives, sometimes the only communication, the only, the, the only conversations that happen are arguments or people saying critical things, people expressing their, their dissatisfaction or, or saying saying something harsh, but communication is key to relationships. And the example that we're given is that husbands are to operate like Jesus. It's a, it's a picture of Jesus in the church. So if you knew someone, let's say I just recently gave my heart to Jesus and I came to you, now I'm part of the church. And I said, I, I have a relationship with Jesus now. I want, I want to grow. I want to take it seriously. I want my relationship with Jesus to be strong. Can you help me? How should I do it? How can I make my relationship with Jesus really, really good? What would you tell me just to get me started? You, what couple of things would you say? Well, first of all, you need to. You'd probably say something like, well, um, if, you're, if you want to 
you want a really good relationship with Jesus, you're going to need to, you're going to, need to read the Bible, yes. right? Um, you're going to want to take time and make sure that you're praying every day. Read the Bible, pray every day. Th- those would be a couple of the very foundational, basic things for someone in their relationship with, with Jesus. And that would be good advice to give them. But when you say read the Bible and pray, what are, we, what are you really saying? If you take kind of the church, church aspect of the language off, what you're really saying is you need to communicate. You need to hear. You need to listen. You need to speak. You need to talk to him. And you need to hear what he has to say. And that would be the foundation of a healthy healthy relationship. Well, that's the example that he's giving us as husbands and wives. That communication is key. He says that Jesus washed, ministered, cared for his bride, the church. How? By By his words. So husbands, this is our example. How we use our words matters. Listen to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18, starting in verse 20, it says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat its fruit. Now, sometimes we'll just take a a line from a verse or just take a a single verse and we'll quote it. How many know the power of life and death is in the tongue? How many know that? So we, we can do that, and that's good. That's right. We, we could say, the power of life and death are in the tongue. Amen. And that, that's, that's good. But sometimes, just stepping back and saying, what, what's going on? Just like in, in Ephesians, how we're seeing it's all linked together. Now, can you see a flow that the power of life and death is in the tongue is not just an isolated statement? It's connected with what's around it, right? So if we back up a verse, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Okay, those things are linked together, right? This is is a flow of thought that's happening. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Next verse, what comes next? He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So all of those verses by themselves are powerful and wonderful and applicable. But when we understand that they're all woven together, and they're linked together, and they they help us understand the next verse and the the previous verse, he's letting us know satisfaction that we experience is related to what comes out of our mouth. Verse 20, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Now he gets around to applying this to a man in his relationship with his wife. Your satisfaction level in marriage is not disconnected from the words that come out of your mouth. The way that you speak to your wife, your ability to communicate, how you talk to your wife is going to have a profound impact on your level of fulfillment. So if you are a husband, you are a man that, man, I'm just dissatisfied. Things are going on. I'm just not happy with things right now. I'm I'm unhappily married. Well, according to this, you should check the way that you're speaking because your fulfillment, your satisfaction is linked to the power of your words. Death and life are in the power of your tongue and those who use it. They'll eat its fruit. You're you're eating that fruit one way or another, good or bad. And then it says, he who finds a wife, found a good thing. So what way do you think you should use your words? What kind of fruit do you think you should bear? It says, a man who finds a wife, you found a good thing. And he obtains favor from the Lord. That if you have a wife, God has blessed you. He did you a favor. Some of you guys, he did you a huge favor. The fact that you even have a wife is really, I mean, it's, a, it's an act of God in and of itself. He has done you a favor. He's done you a favor. So how, how, should, how should you treat that wife? It's a blessing. It's a gift. 
And he's given you this ability to produce satisfaction and fulfillment and life. You've got to understand how blessed you are to have a wife and how your words, your words affect how things go. Now, that passage says, <clears throat> excuse me, that Jesus, Jesus cares for his church by the word, the washing of the water of the word to present her pure, spotless, without blemish. She's all cleaned up, all cleaned up and looking good, right? How, how did she look so good? She's so clean, looks so nice. How did that come about? According to the Bible, it came about as a result of his word. You know, you can look at a woman and get an idea of the way her husband treats her, the way she carries herself, the look in her eye, the hanging of her head, an air of sorrow, sadness, a lack of confidence. You know, that, 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 it's fruit. You're seeing the way. It says you can see that bride pure and, and blameless, spotless, strong, as a result of the way that Jesus speaks his word. Same thing happens. It's using this to tell us how to handle our, our marriages. Amen? So, so you can look at a woman and see, I, I, get, I got a pretty good idea how your husband speaks to you. Is she confident? Is she happy? Is she engaging? Look you in the eye. You can tell, man, she, she feels secure in who she is. That's, she has a husband that's speaking words of life and ministering to her by, by his words. Amen? Amen. Our words matter. It's not just the way we talk, though. Another part of communication is the way, is the way that we listen. James chapter one, verse 19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger. <laughs> I can't even read it straight. I'm sorry. So we used to make up like little jingles for our kids to help memorize scripture. I started laughing first service too. I'm sorry. I just want to explain why I'm laughing at this verse. We, we would make up like little, uh, just little melodies to help memorize scripture. And we made up one with a silly voice, just like a ridiculous one for this, this passage. And I can't read it without hearing, hearing myself sing this song. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Now here comes the weird voice. He always would look like a creepy little, and he would make a human anger does not produce the righteousness God requires. I don't know how we're trying to memorize scripture and incorporate some kind of weird goblin voice, but that's, <laughs> that's what we did. Now, I know that's not all I wanted to say about that verse. <laughs> so understand this, he says. You must be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So a readiness to listen 
is linked to knowing what to say and what not to say and will eliminate unnecessary anger in your relationships. And sometimes there's, you, you've experienced it if you've been in a relationship for any length of time. There's an argument, there's anger, there's strife, there, there's some kind of, of, of fight going on. Why? Because of something that was said that shouldn't have been said. And oftentimes the reason that was said is because somebody didn't take the time to listen, that they didn't have all of the facts. There was a lack of understanding. And so God's word speaks to us with this wisdom. For, number one, what do we do? First, listen, slow, slow to speak. And then you're going to eliminate so many things that are unnecessary for you to be angry about and, and strife and turmoil in, in your relationship. First, if you would just be willing to do what? Just listen. Listen. So here, this is, this is very basic. When the wife is speaking, the husband listens. Good, write that down. And when the husband speaks, the wife listens. Right? If, if we would apply that sim simple, conversational, basic truth, you'd eliminate so many fights and listen. Listen, not, not gear up for what you're going to say next. You're not just reloading while, 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 while they talk. You're listening. So communication is not just words. It's not just talking. It's not just a bunch of verbs and nouns flying back and forth at, at, at each other. Anything that communicates, anything that, that reveals or helps to illustrate feelings, emotions, thoughts, perceptions, all of it is communication. So it's not just words, also listening, body language, all of it is part of being effective at, at communicating, right? So the way that you listen is you're also saying something by the way that you listen. I, I can remember, I've probably shared it before because I've, I've, it impacted me in, in, a, in a very deep way. When I was a freshman in college, I, I was rebelling against God. I was hurt. I was bitter. I was confused. I was lonely. I was angry. One person that I met, met, I can remember, he asked me a question and he listened. He listened so intently to me. I can still picture him. I can picture the look in his eye, the tilt of his head, the where, where he was sitting, where we were. It, because when, as he was, he wasn't saying anything. He was listening and his listening communicated. This guy cares about me. It, it took it, it was so strong, it took me back. I mean, I, it's been 25 plus years. I still think about the way that that guy listened to me as I began to speak. It touched me. This, this person cares about me. He's invested in me. He was communicating when he wasn't saying anything just by, by listening. So men, the way that we listen is also speaking something. How do, you, how do you listen? How do you listen? Do you listen while you're scrolling on your phone? Do you listen while you're watching the game? Do you listen while you're working on something? Because you, you can say, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening as you scroll. I'm listening as you keep an eye on the game. You might be listening, but you're also communicating something that while you've got one ear listening, you're also saying, it's not that important to me. It ranks somewhere underneath, somewhere below what's on the screen of my phone right now. I'm listening, but what you're saying ranks just below whatever's on the TV. It ranks, that's what we're communicating because it's not, it's not just words. In fact, listen to this percentages. People understand 7%. It's based 7% on our words, what we say. A 38% on how we say it. And then 55% <clears throat> on our body language, what, what we're doing, 
while we say it or while, while we listen. And it's complicated when men and women try to communicate because we think differently, we act differently, we speak differently. Typically, men, men tend more towards logical thinking and women are more emotional feelers. So when we communicate, a woman will speak what she feels and a man will speak what he thinks. And sometimes it takes work to go back and forth if you're willing to do it. Because communication isn't I, just, I talked and you talked, we've communicated. Communication isn't, isn't real and genuine and helpful until there's understanding. Yeah. Understanding. And instead of being a point of strife, just engage and enjoy trying to figure, <laughs> trying to figure each other out. Listen, listen to what it says in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not, may not be hindered. Now, again, this is another passage directed towards men. Notice when it talks to men and their responsibility in the household, in the marriage, in the family, the weight that's added to it if we don't fulfill our responsibility. That it's serious to God. It tries to communicate, this is serious by what's attached to it. Provide for your household. If you don't, you're, you're worse than an unbeliever. You've denied the faith. Dwell with your wife with understanding so your prayers aren't hindered. You can mess up your prayer life. The way that God's willing to listen to you or not listen to you. Eh, don't wanna hear it. Why? Because you're not taking your, the way you're supposed to treat your wife seriously. Until you do that, I, I, I really don't want to hear from you. So it, it's important. It says, first of all, the, the weaker vessel thing, just, that's not an insult to women. To dwell with them as, as a weaker vessel. That, he's not getting a little dig in at women. What he's doing, he's talking about how a husband should care for his wife. It doesn't make sense that he'd put a little zing in there and, and try to, to insult them in the process. The weaker vessel, what he's communicating is the need and the responsibility of a husband to care for yes. and protect and cherish his wife. Have you ever gotten a package in the mail that said fragile or handle with care? Okay, okay. I was gonna say, we're gonna have to send something out from the church with that on there just so everyone can have this experience. Whenever, if you're like me, if you get a package that says fragile or handle with care, it like, it, I don't think, oh, this is garbage. This must be junk mail. If it says fragile handle with care, I'm like, this must be good. This must be something special, right? Like you, you take, take good care of you. Don't just throw it on the floor of the car. I want to see what this, if it's fragile, it means I handle it. I protect it. I, I treat it as, as special. And so that's what's being communicated. When it says as to the weaker vessel, it's not, it's not an insult. It, it's, it's communicating the care that husbands are supposed to have for their wives to protect them. But he says to dwell with them. There's so much we could pull out of this. What I wanted to highlight was that first line, husbands dwell with them with understanding. Husbands are to understand their wives, which on one level is kind of funny to me. It's a little bit laughable. That's, that's our instruction. All you have to do is understand her. <laughs> it's that simple to understand your wife. I like to imagine Peter chuckling to himself as he wrote that. Like it was a joke. He was just like writing it. Like, I'm going to tell the husbands to understand their wives. <laughs> this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> but to understand someone, what, what do you need to do to have understanding? There's got to be communication. 
There's got to, you, you've got to talk and you've got to hear that person speak. You've got to pay attention, not just to what they're saying, what, what, they're, what they're trying to communicate, what, what they're trying to reveal, what they're feeling when, when they say it. Now, if you, if you are like me as a man, because we are more logical and women are more emotional in their communication, it can be easy for me. In fact, I did this last, last evening. Sorry, by the way. I fell into this last night. You have, you have a, a disagreement and you can poke holes in your wife's logic because you're coming at it from a logical, a logical standpoint. And when she's trying to communicate what she feels, it might not meet all the logical standards that a man has in his mind. And we can dismiss everything that's being said because it isn't perfectly logical. I, I did that last night. Well, what you're saying, that, that doesn't, it's not even logical that you would say that because you said this and technically that, that, mean, that means this. And you can just dismiss the whole thing and win the argument. But the point isn't to win the argument. The point is to what? To understand, to understand. And when we, when we understand, they're, they're, not, they're not worried about logic. They're trying to convey a feeling, what, what they are, what they're feeling. And we, men are the ones that are instructed to dwell with our spouses, to dwell with our wives, understanding. Yes. I, I don't know of a passage that tells wives to try to understand their husbands. I do know of one that tells husbands to dwell with your wife with understanding, with understanding. So one way, we, what, are we, what are we talking about? We're talking about security, right? We're talking about loving our wives like Christ loved the church, gave himself up to provide security. So one is financial security, being a provider. The second one is in communication, so there's emotional security. This next one could probably go in with communication and emotional security, but we'll, we'll call it relational, relational security. Because it has to do with openness and honesty, and our job is to help make our wives feel secure. So in, in your, the way you relate and handle the relationship, are you working to making your wife feel more secure in the relationship or less secure? I'll throw out some examples, but just you can think about your own situation, ways that you might be causing your wife to feel insecure instead of more secure. Do, do you have a passcode on your phone that your wife doesn't know the passcode to? Why? Why? Why, why doesn't she have access to your phone, what you're looking at, who you're talking to. If she doesn't have access to it, that's an opportunity for her to feel insecure instead of more secure. Why, why would you hide anything from, from your spouse? You are supposed to be one, so there's no off limits when it comes to your spouse. They have, they have access to everything because you have become one flesh. And when you hold things back, even if you can justify it, you've created, you've created insecurity in the process. relationships. Do you, have, do you have relationships that are, are flirty in nature? Do you have clear boundaries of who you're going to be with, where, where you'll be with them? Because those things can cause insecurity, insecurity in your, in your family. Or do you talk about how attractive other women are? Man, if you that, that woman's so pretty. She, or, or, those kinds of things can stir up insecurity when our job is to provide what? to provide security. And so that, that, that's one of the standards. So we've got to examine the way that we relate, the way we speak, with the way we conduct ourselves. Are you doing things that, that aren't open and honest and creating relational, relational security? And so part of this is keeping our attention, keeping our attraction, keeping our devotion aimed at and focused on our wives and guarding ourselves so it doesn't wander off other places. Let, let me read to you from Proverbs chapter five. 
Proverbs chapter five. I, I would encourage all of the men this week to take time and read through Proverbs chapter five. Because it's talking about this very thing, creating boundaries, staying away from dangerous relationships, creating an environment in your life. The way you conduct yourself in this area can either create security and peace of mind for your wife or insecurity. He's talking about that. We'll just read a couple of verses. Verse 18, it says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by, by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman? So what he's talking about is keeping your attraction focused on, on your spouse. Now, sometimes we have a mindset, well, I can't help it. I'm just not that attracted to her anymore, or I'm more attracted to this person over here, or I find someone like that very attractive. Well, if the Bible's telling us to do it, then we must be able to do it. Then we must be able to harness ourselves and focus. How, how, how can we do it? Well, if you read this whole chapter, one of the illustrations that's being used is the illustration of water. A few verses earlier, it says, why spill the, why spill the water of your springs in the streets? having sex with just anyone. I, I read verse 18, it says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing. There's this illustration when it comes to attraction, illustrating to water. I, I don't know if you have ever uh, filled up a pool in your backyard. We've never had like a great big pool. We've had like a bunch of little kiddie pools. I don't know if you've ever had those. And so you, you get water and you fill it up. Now, how do you keep that water from just flowing all over the place and just generally spilling out all, all, over, the, all over the yard? Well, the way, the way that you contain it is by boundaries, clear boundaries. And that, that is what allows that water to go where you want it to go and to stay where you want it to stay. And so having, having clear boundaries on our relationships and keeping our affection, our attraction, not, not allowing it to wander by things we look at or people that we engage in in some kind of little flirty relationship or it starts to move. I would never do anything. I just feel better the way that she talks to me. You've got to eliminate that stuff. One, you're in a danger zone. Two, you, you're creating insecurity for your wife instead of what you're supposed to do the opposite, security, security for her. So keeping your attraction focused on your wife. Now, sometimes in these series, we'll, we'll take more time and talk about sexual intimacy. We'll take entire Sundays to talk about that. I haven't felt to do that in this, in this series. So I'll, so I'll just say this one thing and we'll leave it at that. It says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. That's an instruction for a man to keep that attraction, keep that aff affection focused on your wife. Now, wives, if your husband does that, which he will, amen, don't let that be a source of frustration for him. He's gonna focus all of his attraction on you. Don't let it be a stone wall, right? It says, let her breasts satisfy you. Now, how often that happens is entirely up to you. But the way I read this passage, anything less than always would be unbiblical.
So relational security, emotional security, financial security. One last one, then we'll pray. Spiritual security. That, that men are to be the leaders of, of their homes, spiritual leaders. That passage said that a wife is supposed to submit to her husband as, as the head, that the husband is the head of the wife like Christ is the head of the church. That The head leads. Where the head goes, the body goes. That the head is a position of, of leadership. And so a man is supposed to spiritually lead his home. Now, if he's leading the right way, that provides security for his wife, for his children. Because if he's leading according to righteousness and holiness and he's keeping in love with the Lord, the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. Things just get better and better. There's security in knowing that my, my husband is a man of God. He loves the Lord. He's seeking the Lord. He's in the word of God. I know he's spending time in prayer. I know he takes time to fast. If a wife knows that her husband is genuinely pursuing the Lord and loves the Lord, that provides an enormous amount of security. Is your devotion, is your passion for the things of God a source of security or a cause for concern for your wife? Because if she's not sure, man, I don't know what's going on with him. I, I don't know what his attitude is towards the things of God. I think, I think he's doing okay. Man, there's all kinds of issues that start to pop up if a wife thinks, isn't sure where her husband stands with, with the Lord. Because think about all the concerns that are eliminated if a man is devoted. He might, he's not perfect. Still some stuff to work out, but if he's sincere, man, I love Jesus. I, just, I want to be the man God's called me to be. If, if he's, he loves the Lord, so many issues, concerns. I, I was out after, I was out till almost one in the morning Friday night. My wife wasn't blowing up my phone. Where are you? You're not at the High Life Lounge, are you? Have you been drinking? I, I didn't get any of those texts. She was confident. I was spending time with other guys that love the Lord. We were spending time talking about the Lord. We're spending time seeking the Lord because she has a confidence in my love for the Lord. It limited all, all kinds. Is, is he out running around on me? Didn't cross her mind. There was security in that. Is your devotion for God, your commitment to God's house, does that provide security for your kids, for your wife? And I know, I know dad, I know my husband is a man of God. You know, I, I, could, I could watch something on TV that would cause insecurity in my family. My kids come in, I start watching a show that's questionable. Maybe it's not even, you know, I'm not talking about watching some horrible porn or something like that. Just something that's like pushing that direction. That, that could cause concern. Hey, what's going on? This doesn't seem like a man that loves, loves Jesus. This, this is like borderline, this is a little question. I could create insecurity. Men, we can create insecurity by the way we conduct ourselves, with how we talk, who we spend time with, our job is to create security, and one of the ways that we do that is to lead spiritually, to set the tone in our, in our houses. Are you praying? Are you spending time in God's Word? Are you leading your family? Oftentimes, the men are the most spiritually sluggish in the household, that they're the ones who've got to be coaxed to come to church. They're the ones that are on the very fringe of the perimeter, that that shouldn't be the case. Men are supposed to lead. They're supposed to lead their family. They're supposed to be the ones that have the heart of God, direction from God concerning the family. They're supposed to have an overflow to bless their children, to bless their wives, to be able to 
speak into the situation. And when their children hear their wisdom, when their spouse hears their wisdom, there's a confidence. This is a man who hears from God. This is a man that prioritizes the, the, things, the things of God. And wh why is it so important? Again, it's important for our families, but it's also important for the family of God, for the kingdom of God, because the way that a husband loves his family, the way that a husband loves his wife, it's an illustration of the way that Jesus loves his church. It's a way for people to see it. Otherwise, they, I don't know of anything else that illustrates it like this. If people otherwise can't see it, they should be able to see it in the way that a godly husband loves his spouse. Do you ever, you ever read a book and it's illustrated? It says illustrated by, illustrations by someone's name. They did all the drawings, they did the sketches, the paintings or whatever, and there's pictures in the book. It's been illustrated, right? It's like a sad day when what you're reading, what's geared towards your age, your reading level no longer has pictures. It's sort of like lesson. They try to wean you off of pictures. The pictures get worse and worse. So you're almost glad to be take colors out of them. What is this? But when they illustrate it, what are they doing? They're letting you see. Here's what it looks like. This is what this character, this is how this character dressed. This is what this crazy situation, here's, here's kind of what it looked like. They're helping you to see what otherwise you can't see. And it uses that same word for the way that husbands love their wives. It's an illustration. It illustrates helps people see this is, the, this is the love of Jesus being displayed in a very special way, the way that a husband loves his wife. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.